We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grinders, Dean here at Dean 7904. If you want to get all technical on me, it is 10 o'clock on the East Coast, 7 o'clock on the West Coast. And of course, that means it's time for World of World Pick 6. Uh, it's presented by Roto Grinders. And yes, do not uh, do not adjust your internet television. I'm Dean, Dean 7904. Crane, unfortunately, is not here. Uh, so I'm going to fill in as uh, best possible. Uh, full disclosure, he asked me to fill in for him 20 minutes ago. Uh, I do my research on a Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night when we're recording this. I have not started my research. Thankfully, uh, two of the absolute best in the business will be uh, giving you all the analysis necessary. Leading off, it's Rich Rebar. Of course, you know him from the worksheet over there at Roto World. Rich, uh, how are things treating you this, uh, this evening? Dean, it's good to talk to you again. We did this once last year with you, so it's great to have you back. I mean, here we are, man, week 14. Hopefully we've got some, you know, people who unfortunately had their regular seasons of redraft, you know, you know, and unfortunately, and they're trying to come in and play some DFS, uh, you know, hopefully not for the first time. But if it is, you know, we're here to chop up some games and some plays, you know, for the week, you know, I might get them started here. Uh, and it's a great time, you know, if you are trying to get into DFS. I'm sure most people following the show, obviously, have already, you know, been playing forever and doing stuff. But if there happens to be some new players out there, man, it's not it's it's not overly daunting. It can be what you make it. You know, you don't have to be, you know, scared and, you know, think that you're just going to get, you know, <laughs> your money taken. You can make you can make the games whatever you want. And that's why it's pretty special. They're beginning leagues, too, if you're just starting. So, yeah, just uh, just dip your toes in. Don't drive. Well, don't dive in fully. Don't go ahead and hit for the uh, Millie Maker just yet. Uh, also, let's bring in uh, no, no introduction necessary, but the go to goats, Evan Silva. Of course, you know him from his matchups column over there at Roto World. Evan, how are uh, things treating you this evening? What's up, Dean? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, man. Just had to block like uh, 30 Titans fans on Twitter. <laughs> uh oh. But, uh, you know. What, what, what's what, what's going on? What, what did you say? What would you say about the Titans? No, I mean, I just said that the Titans stink, like, because they do. Uh, and, you know, Titans fans <laughs> don't, they don't like to hear that. You know, they don't like to hear that. I mean, A little reality like, check? Yeah, I mean, they, they treat, you know, the NFL like it's college football, like you have some sort of resume. Oh, we beat the, the Seahawks in week two, you know. Um, <laughs> first of all, you didn't beat the Seahawks. The Titans <laughs> beat the Seahawks. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a resume sport. They're not they're, – they don't have an efficient rushing offense. Their passing offense is pretty much pathetic. Uh, their pass defense is pathetic. And their run defense, I mean, I think their run defense is better than DVOA gives it credit for. But in DVOA, they're 18th in run defense DVOA. So they have no strengths as a team. So they do have a good record, you know. And I liked them before the season. I, I you know, bet on their the over for their win total. And you know, I'm going to make money off of them. But I think that they stink as a team. But uh, let's, let's move on with the show. <laughs> If you really want to get under their skin, tell them that the Music, Music City Miracle, that was a forward lateral. It's a forward lateral. Shouldn't have counted. Uh, all right. So, yeah, the, the first game, of course, you focus on three games here, and then we kind of branch out from there. Uh, yeah, Silva, so, the first game I saw was Green Bay-Cleveland. And, again, I just saw this 20 minutes ago, just aware of it. I'm like, Green Bay-Cleveland? Oh, yeah, it's Josh Gordon week, right, Evan? Like, how do we not play this, dude? That, that's why you guys want to talk about it, right? Yes. Uh, I think that he <laughs> – I mean, you know, he comes back for 11 targets, looks great, you know, looks great on the field. Kaiser missed him for, you know, some some chunk yardage gains. Uh, but, I mean, he was winning against Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward, 
who is uh, pro football focused, number one overall cornerback on the year, you know, has been shadowing number ones all season, has been, you know, routinely shutting them down. Uh, he said that Josh Gordon was uh, the toughest matchup that he's faced all season long. I mean, he jumped right back in, played 76% of the snaps, dominated targets, dominated air yards. Um, you know, I at his price, I think he's still underpriced, you know, for his talent level and for his opportunity. I know that Reeves is on Desha Deshaun Kaiser, and I really want to like Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser has actually been good in fantasy in three of his last five starts. He's been a top 13 fantasy quarterback in three of his last five starts. The games where he was not – uh, he uh, was, you know, way toward the bottom of the weekly ranking. So he's definitely got a low floor. Uh, but I know that Reeves loves Deshaun Kaiser, and I want to be talked into him. <laughs> All right, Reeves. Well, before you talk about Kaiser, talk about Gordon, because, like, he's 5'5 five, yeah. five on DK and 6'7 on Fandle. That seems really, really fair. Well, like Evan talked about, I mean, he, he flashed, you know, no pun intended, you know, a lot of that upside and why he was such a coveted fantasy player, you know, back when we were, when he was, you know, fully playing, you know, in 2013 and then in 2014, you know, that, that size speed combination, man, where, you know, just effortless, you know, he, he reminds me like when he runs, he reminds me a little bit like Julio Jones, he's a big guy. I mean, he's running faster than everyone, but you don't really realize it because of how big he is. You know, he had that 39-yard catch in the second half where he's just bullying people and running away from them. I mean, that's that's the types of plays that, you know, he provides. Then you have that play, the 28-yard pass on the sideline where he gets, you know, goes over the top of Casey Hayward. So, I mean, you, you take that in a tough matchup, and if you're going to get that type of usage and roll it over. Now, I do think Corey Coleman's going to have more than four targets in this game, and it's a matchup that sets up for Corey Coleman to have more than four targets. But, I mean, you, he had 34.4 percent of team targets Josh Gordon that is that was the third highest rate of all wide receivers last week he was targeted on 38 percent of his routes which was number one uh in the week last week for all wide receivers so I mean we're going to now take take that type of usage and if it rolls over uh he's going to get a much favorable matchup at home against the Packers defense that's 31st in fantasy points allowed for target to opposing wide receivers they've allowed 13 top 20 scoring wide receivers that's the second most on the year outside of Tampa Bay I mean it just all sets up for when you look at his price tag and the type of volume he got, and then the matchup. I mean, it just all lines up. He's going to be heavily owned, but, I mean, that doesn't mean you run away from him. I mean, he's just a, a square you plug in. You know, probably, you know, 65% of the field or upwards in cash is going to have him. But that's okay. I mean, you, you take those, and because you, you, you don't want to miss out on that ceiling, man, when the, when the much of him. Uh, you know, in tournaments, it's a little different. I think you can pivot to Corey Coleman. I mean, there's a 0 0.4 there, but in tournaments, I mean, you know, the, the upside. So the matchup's good. And Corey Coleman's a guy that had rapport with Deshaun Kaiser dating back to the preseason and those three games prior to when Josh Gordon, you know, came back and he came off of, you know, IR. He was getting targets, had a good game against Jacksonville, had a good game against Cincinnati that could have been better if he squeezed the 29-yard touchdown. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there's still upside there in, in Corey Coleman. It's just that, you know, obviously he's off the cash game right because he showed he had a zero-point floor. Uh, you know, Evan wants me to talk him, him into Kaiser and yeah, me, me and Evan right now. Me and Evan right now. Let's see if we're going to buy Kaiser or not. Sell it to us. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's just so cheap, man. Sixty-four on Fangio, forty-nine on DK. Like Evan hit on. Like he was a good play. I played him pretty heavily in tournaments two weeks ago against Cincinnati because he's he's hitting these he's hitting these spots and he's getting a ton of rushing production. He's averaging five and a half rushing points per game. Uh, that's second, you know, among all quarterbacks that are playing behind Cam Newton. Deshaun Watson had more than him, but he's inactive now. Uh, so, I mean, you're already basically starting with like five points and the turnovers don't hurt you as much in, you know, the, on the, the uh, DFS sites than they do in the season leagues, those full, those full two point turnovers don't hurt you. So if he has a couple turnovers, he's not really sinking you either. And like, like Evan said, he's been a QB one in three of his past five games. He wasn't against Jacksonville and he wasn't against the chargers, two of the toughest matchups. We didn't, we didn't, we weren't on him those weeks anyways. Uh, but this week sets up really great. I mean, the Packers are allowing the most passing points lob per attempt uh, in the NFL. They're a team that can elevate his, his, his low passing floor enough to where you can take that rushing floor and combine it and, you know, have a safe floor given his cost. I mean, I don't see any way he doesn't really, you know, double up cost on FanDuel and triple up cost on DK. And that's, you know, that's what we're looking for out of a floor quarterback. And he's got the upside for a lot more. And if we're on Gordon, I mean, you have to be on Kaiser a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, just 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 in sense of if, if he's going to get that ceiling, I mean, Kaiser's going to do something. So you've got to play the premier wide receiver player everyone wants to play given cost. And, you know, his quarterback has to be in the mix as well. So, I mean, I'm looking at him and what he can do, you know, roster freeing for my lineups and he frees up a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more into him on the Thursday through Monday slate. Cause there's 
a couple more guys in the primetime games I want to play that cost more than there is in the main slate. Because, you know, we don't have Le'Veon Bell in the main slate. We don't have any of the Saints running backs in the main slate. So, I mean, those are guys I want to get into lineups because those are guys that have been carrying us to cash every week. So, I mean, I want to get those guys in my lineups. And Kaiser's one of the guys that can unlock that. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm in on Kaiser this week from like a fantasy perspective. He can have a, a pretty weak game, you know, in terms of real, real life football and still have a pretty good fantasy game. Um, my, yeah. So my, one, one of the issues that I've had, uh, you know, forcing him in and I look, I, I want to be sold on him. I, you know, if I was going to root for a college team, it would be uh, Notre Dame. You know, I like, he was Josh Norris's number one rated quarterback coming out this year, which, you know, looks silly right now, I'm sure. But Josh Norris has been very good at this, you know, over the years. Uh, he has a great physical skill set. I mean, if he were to somehow, you know, the light were to flip on for him a little bit, he would be a monster upside dude, you know, in fantasy and real life, et cetera. Uh, you mentioned how the matchup is really, really good. And he's been better in fantasy than people have thought recently. And, and right now, his – you know, we, we've talked about Josh Gordon. His weapons are nasty right now. You mentioned Corey Coleman. I mean, Corey Coleman is a former what? Uh, he was a number 10 or 11 pick in the draft. David Njoku is a freak show. And his, uh, his usage is up over the last two weeks. Uh, 59% and 54% of the snaps, that, that's his first and third uh, most uh, playing time of the season. He's got 10 targets in those two games has turned him into 121 yards, 15 over 15 yards per reception and a touchdown. You know, he's a guy that, and the Packers have been good against tight ends, but they haven't been as good recently. Uh, yeah, the Steelers tight ends, 12 bucks tight ends got him last week. Cameron Bray had a couple of touchdowns. Uh, OJ Howard uh, had a big play against him. So, um, you know, the, the weapons really for Deshaun Kaiser are mouthwatering. And, uh, you know, the matchup is really, really good. Uh, the issue that I have had with him, though, is that there's so much value, uh, especially on FanDuel, where you can play Steven Anderson at the men, where you can play Giovanni Bernard at 5,100. I mean, Giovanni Bernard at 5,100 on FanDuel is hard for me to get away from. On DraftKings at 3,100, he's just stupid, you know. But on FanDuel even, I think at 5,100, that's really, really hard to get away from. Um, so those are the issues that I'm having is like, I want to play, I want to pick the right value. You know, that's something that I've learned playing NBA DFS a lot is that I want to play the right value plays. Um, and I don't know if Deshaun Kaiser beyond tournaments is the right value play. I'm going to play him in tournaments for sure. I'm, I'm just still like kind of on the fence in cash, but you, you make some very good arguments. What about yeah, I mean, look at the, uh, oh, oh, Go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. I mean, you look at just the past six games against the Packers. I mean, they they they're getting to- only the only person not to deliver against them was Joe Flacco. I mean, they gave up 16 points to Mitchell Trubisky with no rushing production. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> Kaiser's a guy that get, he can get you. If he can get you, if you're telling me I can get double digit passing points from Kaiser, then like he's gonna smash. How about the running backs? Would you consider? Okay, this is what I was gonna ask. Uh, you want to be contrarian? Everybody's gonna have Gordon. Everybody loves Gordon. Playing Kaiser with like Coleman or Kaiser with Coleman and Duke is that is that completely nuts, Rich? Oh uh, no, I don't think it's nuts. I mean, Duke's a little tough. I mean, that first game back, he just had 12 yards last week, and it was a team that had been getting kind of torched through the passing game by running backs. They're not torched, but you know, given game script and where they're where they struggled defensively, running backs had been doing a lot of damage to them. So I mean, it's a little tougher to to like go in on Duke, and he's more of like a floor a floor guy, anyways. Um, you know, and he's never really priced cheap enough to where you can really squeeze on him. I think Coleman's a fun, like, a good direct pivot. You know, obviously, I, I mean, if you look at the, um, the the Packers, they're a lot. They've allowed multiple receivers to, you know, to do this to them in the same game as well. It hasn't just been like they give up rushing or, or passing yards because one guy does damage to him. It's been it's been multiple guys. So I mean, you can have you might like I said you might have a spot where he hits. Um, I mean, you could play him naked if you want. You can do you can do a lot. Um, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. There's probably no one else outside of Coleman and Gordon though, and and Njoku uh, that I'm really going to touch here though for for tournaments. I mean, Crowell's been fine. He's in the. You couldn't ask for a game that has potentially as good a game script to keep him involved. Uh, but I mean, you know, he's still another one of those guys that. I mean, Kaiser's in the way of Crowell though. I mean, because he's not a guy that's going to catch passes. Kaiser leads the Browns in rushing attempts inside the five yard line. He's actually tied for the league lead in touchdowns inside the five yard line with Mark Ingram. Um, so I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's tough to play like Crowell and Duke. 
Silva, what about the Green Bay side? Yeah, so I guess a lot of people wound up playing Brett Hundley last week. Brett Hundley is just, I mean, I'm at the point where I just don't think that he's very good. You know, even in, so he's been decent in two of his six starts so far, just in fantasy. Um, one of them, he was a quarterback 12 on the week he ran for a touchdown. And the other one, he was a quarterback seven. That was that Sunday nighter against uh, the Steelers. And I guess people weren't to chase that. And, uh, you know, like all of his passes that he completed in that game were behind the line of scrimmage and people just blew it. But the Steelers just blew it, uh, you know, like defensively. So I just – I don't think he's very good. I mean, I think you could even use the Browns' defense – this week I mean they're super super cheap you know they're at the bottom of the the bucket I would be willing to stream them in season long um Hundley is just I think he's a train wreck you know and then with the RB situation uh so Aaron Jones deserves more work Jamal Williams has been good though you know in this workhorse role it's just I think that you know his arrow is going to start to teeter down because Aaron Jones is just more talented than him. And I think he's Jamal Williams probably still going to get like 14 to 17 touches, but I don't think we can count on, you know, the 20 that he's been getting every week because uh, Aaron Jones deserves more work. Uh, and then, um, you know, we can, I, Devontae Adams is just so tied to Brett Hundley, who is not a good passer. And that is a major issue for me. And he's going to be stuck on Jason McCourty this week, who Jason McCourty, by the way, got, got owned by Keenan Allen last week. Uh, but, you know, he's been a good, you know, good number one corner for the majority of the season. And then no one else has been viable. I mean, Randall Cobb had a goose last week. He didn't have a target last week. Uh, Jordy Nelson hasn't, I don't think he's gone over 35 yards in any of Hundley's six starts. Um, so it's, it's not a great, uh, you know, situation for any of the Packers, unless you think that, Hundley's going to have one of these crazy outlier games. He did run a lot last week, uh, and that actually had not been running uh, in his previous two or three games. Uh, you know, it, hey, if, if he runs, he can, you know, he can do some damage in the box score, but I, I think he stinks right now. Evan, uh, Jordy's so tied to Rodgers. He probably can't wait yeah. for Rodgers to come back. Like, if he's this same price, 4.5K come uh, week 16 or so, like, is this a thing that, like, Jordy, just, uh, you know, accumulation of uh, age and, year, uh, you know, injuries and all that, is he just as bad or is it just bad chemistry with Hundley? Or are we just going to be salivating when he's 4,500 with Rodgers? It's just such an on-field rapport thing. You know, it's – I don't think he's – I don't think he's a bum by any means now, you know. It's just we need Aaron Rodgers back. If we get Aaron Rodgers back, I think they play Carolina next week, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Carolina's been getting smashed by wideouts recently. So if we can mm-hmm. get Rodgers back next week when he's eligible, I think Jordy, boom, immediately comes back into play. And maybe we could get him at a very depressed cost if the, the sites don't adjust him up just because Jordy comes back or because Rodgers will be back. Yeah, I mean, look at what he's held. I mean, uh, Jordy, to me, I mean, it's, it's completely narrative, you know, just eye in the sky. But he's the best boundary receiver I can remember since Chris Carter. You know, Aaron Rodgers hits him on so many, like, just, just balls on the sideline where it's all body control. And then you take – you take on how much touch, how touchdown dependent Jordy Nelson was. And when you compromise that with a lesser entity in, in Brett Hundley, I mean, it just, it just all fell apart because Jordy, even with Aaron Rodgers, wasn't posting high yardage. He was still living on touchdowns. And when you take those away, I mean, it just, like I said, it just cratered. He said no, fewer than 35 yards uh, in all, all the starts. He led the team in targets last week, but still didn't, didn't even matter because, you know, Hundley's just not a guy that can get him the ball where in the areas where Rodgers was getting him the football. And, you know, you, it's hard to latch on those receivers, like you said, because they're not really putting the ball in Hundley's hands either. Um, one of the things I talked about with Devontae Adams, I liked Devontae Adams a lot last week, the matchup, his target share, uh, all lined up. And he, he got off to a hot start, but they – because they controlled the game for the most part or were in the game, they are not, their target, their target pies are not large. They've had 26 or fewer targets available as a team in four of six, six starts that Brett Hundley's made. I mean, that's not a lot to latch onto, even when we're talking about like high target shares that Devontae Adams had the 27 to 30%. Still, I mean, you know, that's, that's not a ton when you're talking about split of 25, 26 targets. So, I mean, it's tough to latch onto. I think I like Jamal Williams a little more than Evan, just because the Packers have kind of shown that they're not willing to just give guys back their jobs 
uh, at the running back position. And they're, they haven't really been too interested in running a committee so far. So, I mean, I think that they're going to keep riding this as long as it's working. Uh, but I agree that Aaron Jones is probably a more talented player and deserves more opportunities. But I don't know if they're going to just go away from it because of the way Jamal Williams played. And Jamal Williams progressively gotten better over the past four weeks as well. Um, so, I mean, it's the Browns have gotten a little leaky on Rundy. They still are underdogs in this game, you know, since they lost Agba. We talked about this last week a little bit. And, you know, Jamie Collins. So, I mean, I think there's some opportunity still for Jamal Williams for his price to squeeze uh, if you're trying to run like a run the stack back uh, in a sense. Uh, because, like I said, they, the Packers still are favorites this game. And uh, we, we can you know, first game after this one. But I just wanted to uh, – with Jamal Williams, like he's – the type of runner that he is, he's like a grinder. And mm-hmm. I feel like the way that he runs, like, instills a warmness inside of, like, a coach's, <laughs> uh, you know, heart. And you, you know what I'm saying? like An old coach. An old coach. Right, right. He, you know, he, he gets what's blocked and a little bit more than that. You know, like that's McCarthy. And, you know, doesn't put the ball on the ground. And, you know, like, so they, they feel good. You know, he doesn't make mistakes. You know, he, he went to BYU. You know, he, he, he instills this one. But I want to get your guys' take. Who wins this football game? Rich? I, I'm going to say that the Browns win, man. I'll take the points. <laughs> I'm hedging. Give, give me the two or three points. Yeah. <laughs> the three well, points, I guess it is. I, it, it, it is worth noting, boy. Yeah, so Jones had one touch last week. I think it was in overtime. And yeah. he was only uh, he only got the touch because uh, Williams just had a big play. He basically gave him a breather. Mm-hmm. And he took it to the house for a touchdown. And, also, of course, he went into the game, you know, with this question mark. Like, he's, he had the knee injury. And is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he just dressing his emergency? I assume, I presume, he'll be getting healthier as the week progresses. Uh, stay tuned, I suppose, as far as, uh, you know, news and notes out of the beat writers. But I would imagine, like, he does seem like the more talented guy. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about San Francisco, Houston. Rich, uh, give us the overlay as far as this game. Yeah, this game's kind of fun. I mean, this is the one, like, me and Evan usually typically try to pick a game that I think that might we think has a shot to go over. I think that this is a good this is a good one. I mean, given, you know, both these teams' defenses, how they're playing, and, you know, uh, everyone's kind of priced a little cheaper outside of DeAndre Hopkins, who obviously we don't need to spend a lot of time on. You know, he still had a really great floor, even with the switch uh, to Tom Savage. But, I mean, obviously the 49er side is what becomes interesting. You know, Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo took over last week. Uh, you know, he, he looked really sharp. He threw for almost 300 yards on just eight possessions. Four just had eight possessions in that game, and he almost threw for 300 yards. I mean, I will say that it was he, – he did so. The 49ers offensive line played way above their heads last week, and Pernell McPhee went out after like seven snaps in that game. But it was, the, it was the second lowest pressure rate they gave up in a game all season. It was way far under the pressure rates they allowed to with C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer. Uh, you know, under center. So, I mean, Garoppolo took advantage of that. I mean, if you give a guy like that, you know, a lot of clean space, I mean, he he showed. And he, and he worked the middle of the field, which I think what makes a guy like Trent Taylor interesting, probably not from a DFS stance, but maybe, um, you know, I think more in like your deeper PPR leagues, he's, he's an interesting guy. Because Garoppolo last year, he was a guy that worked the middle of the field and it starts at New England. You know, 51.3% of his passes last year were over the middle. 49% of his throws last week uh, were over the middle of the field. So, I mean, a guy like Trent Taylor becomes pretty interesting. Obviously, everyone's going to look at Marquise Goodwin. He had his highest target share of the season since Pierre Garçon uh, was lost for the year. So, I mean, you had a guy that had big splash play upside like Marquise Goodwin does, the guy that can drop an 80-yard hammer on you, you know, on just having a few targets. And we're going to give this guy now 8 to 10 targets and he's going to get more efficient targets. I mean, that, that really gets, gets you going, you know, it's, you know, we, we were talking about, we're talking about safety net of floor. If you give a guy like that a floor, we know the upside's way, way up there, you know? So, I mean, he's really exciting, you know, against the Houston team that has just been, it's just been bludgeoned in the passing game. I'm more on the weapons than I am Garoppolo, just because I still think that there's like some, some touchdown, uh, you know, upside here that I think is still kind of fleeting. I don't think Garoppolo's a guy that's really going to throw like three or four touchdowns in a game. Cause I don't think the 49ers are really ready to, take that jump yet but I, I really obviously Marquis Goodwin is is probably the premier play uh from from the 49er side and you know I'll probably have a lot of them I'm assuming Evan's going to as well Evan yeah I mean what what stood out to me uh well first of all Gar- Garoppolo was excellent I mean I I didn't expect him to play that well in, in his first game at Soldier Field now he's going to Houston where they you know they have a retractable roof he could you know he could very well be indoors he probably will um for Marquise Goodwin, so it was very impressive to me that he had a productive game without having a big play because we hadn't seen him have a big play or have a good game without having a big play uh, 
the entire season up until last week. And all of a sudden, you know, he's catching a lot of stuff in the short and intermediate areas and Garoppolo is treating him like his number one. And um, that was very promising to me uh, because we know that that big play is in Marquise Goodwin's toolbox. And we also know that the Texans have given up the most 40 plus yard receptions in the NFL. uh, And I believe the 10th most uh, 20 plus yard receptions in the NFL. I mean, you know, they got Jonathan Joseph out there. He's an old dude, you know, can't really run anymore. Um, you know, they lost A.J. Bouye last offseason. I mean, they're, they're you know, they lost their a lot of their pass rushers. They, they're they very vulnerable in a deep passing game. Uh, and that's where that's really still Goodwin's uh, bread and butter. So he's, he's a real, real hot play. Um, you know, I Trent Taylor does make sense in PPR. Um, and I'm with Reeves on the, the Garoppolo thing. You know, it's just kind of hard to envision him suddenly having like a three or four touchdown game because the 49ers don't really have touchdown scoring uh, pass catchers right now. You know, George Kittle might have been that, but he's definitely not that guy anymore. I mean, he's playing less than Garrett Selleck at this point. You know, he's like 35% of the snaps last two weeks. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's Garoppolo and Goodwin and then, you know, a little bit of interest in Trent Taylor. What about the so you referenced them already as far as the tight ends, but Orowitz went on IREs after the season. And I was watching the game last week and I happened to punt some lineups with Fedorowitz to kind of open things up and like to the tight end, Steven Anderson, like wrong tight end. And like, not only that, they're like four, he got, he was concussed at some point as well, but he was forcing it in on Anderson too, but he had 12 targets. And like, sometimes he was double covered. Uh, Rich, I guess, uh, you know, 3.2 K on DK. Is this our tight end du jour as far as the punt this week? Yeah, I think if you're looking to punt, he played a lot of receivers split out too, and that's who he is. I mean, he's a he's a six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound guy. You know, kind of one of those those tweener guys. He was a guy I picked up in a ton of dynasty leagues because I was interested in the athletic profile. I mean, I had him graded as the he had the I do like a uh, my own like in house spark score, and he was the second he had the second highest like basically my version of the spark score from that draft class. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, uh, I was, I was in on him and I liked the spot. This is when I thought Fedoritz was just like a blocking tight end only. It was before last year. I was like, oh, he landed in the right spot. Fedoritz will be the blocker. He'll be, he'll just, you know, he'll be able to just line up, you know, in like this H back type role that, that Bob has used before. And it's, yeah, Steven Anderson's going to be that dude. And, uh, you know, it hasn't paid off at all, but I mean, I actually am alive in a dynasty league that I have him. So I'm going to play him this week. I'm really excited about it, but like I've uh he's you know he's a guy that I think we're looking at from like a punt standpoint I mean, he had 12 targets some of it did come in like a jailbreak uh you know Tom Savage threw for 160 yards in the fourth quarter last week because they were chasing points but I mean 12 targets uh Bruce Ellington went on IR they really don't have a wide receiver too although Will Fuller looks like he might suit up in this game but the 49ers had a lot of touchdown and five straight games to a tight end before last week and that's only because the Bears just haven't you know used any tight ends you know they don't have any guys that's going to you know siphon targets in their offense so I mean if this game is going to pop I mean Steven Anderson is going to be one of those guys and um, you know where you can just take it come in and, and take the punt and hopefully you know get yourself you know uh, you know seven to ten targets which I think are achievable because I mean but neither passing game is really going to get slowed down here it's just going to be up to you know what Tom Savage can do the only the only thing that's going to stop the second passing game is their quarterback. Yeah, did you try? You watch Savage trying to throw the fade last week to uh, to Hopkins. It's just so I mean, just keep it in balance and give him a chance. It's so depressing, but Hopkins is just so good. I feel bad for him. He doesn't have a quarterback there. What about the ground game? Uh, you know, Evan uh, Lamar Miller feels like a uh, like like a like a I don't know like a young Frank Gore in training. Like he's we, he's going to be around for the next seven years. Nobody's ever going to want to play him and. I don't know. I never feel good. I never feel it's never a fun button to click as far mm-hmm. as Lamar Miller. Are we considering clicking it this week? I mean, I think that there are some interesting things about him. I mean, the 49ers, they've been below average in run defense. They haven't been the run defense that they were last year. Over their last six games, uh, 4.43 yards per carry allowed to running back. So, you know, that's not that's definitely not good. It's not terrible. Uh, but they're they're definitely below average, so it's it's a solid matchup. Te- Texans are at home, you know. Fine shot to win this game, maybe 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 even control the game, uh, you know, if if Garoppolo just doesn't play as well as he did last week uh, in another road environment. Lamar Miller, 26, 18, and 19 touches over his last three games. Now the Texans have insisted on, uh, you know, using other backs. Uh, and, you know, even if it's Alfred Blue, who's like one of the least efficient runners in the league, 
because they just don't see Lamar Miller, I think, as a 30-touch guy, you know, but um, but he, he's been getting solid work. You know, I think that he's like a – in a season-long league, he'd be like a fringe RB1, RB2 on that usage. Forty Now, he, he has been used a lot uh, in the passing game. He's got three catches in five of his last seven games. And the 49ers have given up the most receiving yards in the NFL to running back. So I think that there are – things to like about Lamar Miller. Um, I've considered, you know, I've made some early week lineups and I've considered putting him in a couple. He's just, I'm with you. He's like, I never get excited to play him. So I'll end up, you know, juggling my lineup in other spots to not have to play him, you know, but I mean, he's been on my radar a little bit Uh, with Steven Anderson. I wanted to add. So the Texans receiver core is so banged up right now. I mean, uh, Bruce Ellington just went on IR. He was their slot receiver. He was playing like 70, 80% of the snaps. So that's removed. Broxton Miller had uh, been playing a bunch of, he'd been getting a bunch of work too. He actually had a career high, I think 40, 71 yards last week. He's in the concussion protocol. I don't, I would guess that he's not going to play. He's had concussions before. Um, so Steven Anderson is lo- not only locked in as the starting tight end, Will Fuller is questionable. This week, although it sounds like they they're you know somewhat optimistic that he will play. I mean, they were down to they were using Andre Ellington as a wide receiver last week. You know, a guy who they picked up off the street like two weeks ago, and Stephen Anderson was getting uh, you know slot snaps uh, as a slot receiver uh, as well. So uh, they're just really shorthanded at receiver. I think that DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he and he was a guy that. He had a touchdown pulled off the board real early last week. And I knew because I had a – I think I put him in like every lineup, you know. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and I knew I, – I, I could just feel like, you know, this day is just – is not going to be a great day when, <laughs> when, when you lose that early <laughs> touchdown. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, um, yeah. But uh, the, the, the matchup is real, real good for him. Uh, he's running 83% of his routes outside. The 49ers, their two outside corners are – uh, right cornerback Dante Johnson. He's number 111 out of 116 in Pro Football Focus's cornerback coverage grades. And then their other uh, cornerback is Akello Witherspoon. I remember watching this dude. Uh, I'll, I'll watch a bunch of cornerbacks like coming out uh, of the draft. And what stuck out to me about Akello Witherspoon was how soft he was. He I mean, he, nobody. No, he <laughs> is contact averse. Uh, and he's got that um, Deion Sanders disease. It's worse than that. I mean, it's, it's bad. Like he, he, he's he's big and he's long and he's fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like a dude that I think DeAndre Hopkins could just torment. So um, I, I I'm trying to go back to DeAndre Hopkins as much as I can. You know, I'm I'm just like everybody else. You know, I'm like I get recency bias and I'm like oh, that dude screwed me last week. You know what I mean? But um, I want to play a lot of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. He makes a lot of sense. He was fine last week. He just didn't get in the end zone, basically. If, they, if that yeah, touchdown counted, I, he'd been fine. And I was hoping he'd get to the bonus, but he had 14 targets. And, look, he's still going to get a pile of targets once again. I can't imagine. Most, well, let's ask this question. Let's say Fuller is cleared to go and he's good to go. There's no issue. So he could justify that roster spot and just one play real quick. And he's really, really cheap, too. 4.3K on DK. Any interest in tournaments from either of you guys? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to like shade anyone's like deep dart. I mean, but he had a, you know, a, a premium matchup against a team that had been getting torched vertically and still is, you know, against the Indianapolis Colts. And there was just no connection there. I mean, Savage just couldn't connect with him at all. Uh, I just don't think Savage is the type of player, you know, I mean, if you, if you watch Hopkins, I mean, Hopkins is, is, he's working hard, man, for you know, on those targets. Uh, they're all boundary catches. They're all the toe drag swags. They're all just, he's, he's, he reminds me, he's like street fighter. E Honda out there. Like he's just chopping <laughs> dudes down. He's just chopping dudes down. Like there are dudes on that Ravens game. His jersey's ripped. Uh, you know, his jersey's shredded. Like dudes are just all over him and he's working so hard on these targets. I mean, I just don't think that Savage is the type of quarterback that like he might hit one prayer ball to Fuller and that's if you want to chase it. But not a guy I'm really going to pursue, like especially in his first game back after an injury. I was more okay, of a chunk. Akello Witherspoon is not going to want to cover anybody with a ripped jersey. Akello <laughs> Witherspoon, his his jersey is pristine. You know, he he does not want to get dirty. All right, anything else this game, y'all? Or we're going to move on and talk about the the Raiders and the Chiefs. No, I think we're good. All right, Raiders and Chiefs. It is forty-seven and a half is the over under. The Chiefs are four-point favorites here. And hey, if you guys you know stacked Alex Smith and the Tyreek uh, Hill. 
The uh, Millie Maker went full, yeah. full, full stack here. And Travis Kelsey, y'all won all the money. Uh, and then the King of the Beach as well. I think that was the winner as well, too. Myself, I before the week started, I'm like, oh, Kareem Hunt, we're done. We're breaking up. That's it. I wrote off the email. I wrote off the tweet. I DM'd him. I lost his number. And then Sharkandic West, I'm not going to play. So uh, Godfather 3 style. Once I thought I was out, they pulled me right back in. And I fell for it again there, Rich. Oh, man, I'm so bitter at Kareem Hunt. We're still chasing, like, these three ridiculous plays from, like, the first weeks of the seasons. Uh, so let's talk well, about Dean, the you Chiefs. didn't listen to the show last week because Crane tried to sell me and Evan on Cream Hunt, and we, we shot him down. Oh, you know, you know, it's funny. I talk about my research. My research is, like, part of the, my research is this show. Now I'm on the show. And, again, I'm just asking the questions. Don't listen to my analysis this week. But uh, tell me about Kareem Hunt. Are we done? Are we officially breaking up? Is this the real, true breakup or what? The matchup. I don't know. I think that there's this week. I, I think there's a story to tell yourself. I mean, he before last week, he had totally missed out on like two great matchups. So, I mean, I'm not going to jump all the way in. I don't think you can just ignore that. I mean, he's lost the splash plays. And like we talked about with Crane last week, I mean, they just aren't, they don't get in the red zone. And you look at last week, they popped again, but what'd they do? All home run balls. Again, it's not like they're sustaining drives. You know, a lot of people are probably going to give Matt Nagy a lot of credit, but I mean, they just hit on their home run balls. I mean, everyone's going to forget that Matt Nagy called the third and one pass to an offensive tackle, you know, down three points with, you know, 15 minutes to go in that game. But, you know, we're going to say he rejuvenated. They just hit their splash plays, man. That's what, that's, that's kind of offense they've been all year. The first six weeks of the season, they were hitting all those home runs and their offense looked electric. And then they went dormant for, you know, four weeks. So it's a tough way to live. And, you know, 30 and 40 yard touchdowns. They're the only team in the league that has more touchdowns scored outside the red zone than inside the red zone this season in the NFL. You know, league wow. averages, league averages 71% of your offensive touchdowns coming from the red zone. They have more from outside it. Cause that's who they, that's who they've been this, this year. So, I mean, they hit on those plays. I'm a little nervous here. I think the spot is just as good. If you, if you break it down, because the Raiders defense is just horribly bad. I mean, they, they, the last two weeks they've been okay, but against Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith, like not ready to anoint their defense, you know, turning the corner because previously they had allowed five straight QB one games. They're 30th on the year in passing odds and passing points allowed per game. So, I mean, I, I'm still back on, on, on Alex and, you know, obviously Kelsey, uh, Hunt's a little tough to say. I mean, uh, the matchups there, if you want to take on the main slate, like you said, all the, the, the main slate's fun this week because all the, the chalky, the guys we've just been leaning on are off the board. Both Saints running backs are gone. Le'Veon's gone. Gurley's still out there. Um, you know, we kind of had this conversation last week and the answer was right in front of our faces. We we're like, well, who are we going to play, you know, on the main slate? You know, Gurley's just out there. It's like, oh yeah, we're just going to ignore the dude that's you know, just churned out RB1 games the whole season. And, you know, uh, obviously he popped. So, I mean, Hunt's a little a little tricky for me. I will say, though, that, too, this game being an arrowhead's a little weird. And typically when these when division games, like when they we have one of these games that just go nuts and nuclear like the first game did, usually when teams do that again later in the year in division, like the games tend to be kind of like a letdown. Uh, they tend not to have as high scoring, you know, types of output. And when we get to, like, the Raiders' size, like the Raiders have a pretty poor history uh, in Arrowhead, especially with Derek Carr, uh, but I mean, it's gonna be—it's gonna be hard to like completely push off them because this Chiefs defense is really, really bad right now. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the Chiefs defense is bad, and it just—they just suspended their top cornerback, Marcus <laughs> Peters, who, who who hasn't been very good recently himself, but you know he's still their best cornerback, and that means that they're gonna be relying on all these scrubs that we have been picking on. Basis. We're going to see a lot of Darrell Revis this week, probably. Uh, we're going to see Philip Gaines. We're going to see Terrence Mitchell. And we're going to see a lot of Steven Nelson. And those are dudes who have made a lot of people money uh, in daily fantasy over the last couple of years. Um, so, but I, I'm, I'm with Rich. You know, I'm, you know, over their last 11 games at Arrowhead, the Chiefs have given up 20 or, or fewer points in all 11. Uh, their shootouts happen on the road. You know, that's where, you know, that's where Josh McCown rips them up. You know, that's where Derek Carr, you know, who's been terrible in fantasy all year, rips up the Chiefs. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't know if this game is, is going to be a shootout, even though it looks like it could be on paper. I don't know about this, this Raiders offense. You know, Derek Carr just has been a tentative shutdown machine all season. Um, I, we don't really know if Amari Cooper is going to play yet. Uh, you know, I don't even know if he would be an asset if he is in there. I think he might have like a high ankle sprain. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he's not practicing. He missed last week. You know, he's got a significant ankle injury. 
so who even knows if he would be effective? Uh, Crab, if he does not play, Crabtree jumps into an amazing spot against the Chiefs to where you could, you know, theoretically game stack this with Alex Smith and Kelsey again, uh, or or Tyreek. But I think that Alex Smith and Kelsey looks may, maybe like the best uh, on paper, uh, and then bring it back with Crabtree um, against these terrible, terrible Chiefs cornerbacks. Um, and, and the the Raiders have leaned more on Marshawn Lynch recently. Um, he's got what, like 19 and uh, like tw- uh, 29 touches over his last two games. On the, on the first drive last week, he ripped a 50-yard touchdown. He pulled up like a little gimpy at the end of the mm-hmm. run, missed missed a few plays, but then came back in. He, he was beast mode pretty much the rest of the way. Didn't rip any huge plays, but he was out there breaking tackles. He looked good in the passing game. They've used him more in the passing game recently. You definitely like to see that. Um, so, I, you know, I like specific plays in this game. I don't know. I, I'm kind of skeptical that it's going to be like a big-time shootout, but I think there, there is a good amount of, of fantasy goodness in it. Yeah, like you said, the 750 yards combined amongst the quarterbacks. And is, is that a thing that, like they said, a second game as far as in-division rivals, uh, Rich? It's like, generally speaking, the scores are lower. Uh, I guess the stats show that. You would know that more than me. I suppose that's a thing. Can you speak on that? And is that something you think that might happen this game? I mean, I don't have specifics in front of me now. I actually think Jonathan Bales was the first one to do something on this. I, mean, okay. I might be wrong on that, but I think that he was first that you know highlighted it that you know that the, the te- teams tended to go under uh, when they when they rematched. I mean, that's obviously not something that's 100. percent It's just you know you're playing probability. I think that in Vegas here doesn't really like the Raiders side as well, and it could be just because they're the injuries they had. Or like you know, because Evan said, you know, I mean, basically, I mean, it's Crabtree and Lynch. If you know Amari doesn't go, you know, then it's a gaggle of other guys. You know, I mean, Johnny Holton started at left wide receiver. Uh, you know, last week he played the most snaps. Uh, you know, he did score. He's got some home run ability. It'd be a, an area of the field where we like to target, you know, if you want to just really deep dive. Seth Roberts plays in the slot. Like, it's, these guys aren't exciting. I mean, if you're going to say that Amari Cooper's going to miss and you like this game you want to stack it, like, those are odds and ends, you know, misfit toys that you can say. I do like Lynch. I mean, uh, I mean, we've been talking about it all year. Like, Lynch is still good at football. Like, he was. They just weren't giving him the ball. And if Cooper's going to miss, I mean, I think it sets up for a game where they're going to keep giving him the ball. I mean, he's been a top 10 fantasy play three of his past four games. Uh, still a little touchdown dependent, you know, but like Evan said, he's getting work in the passing game. Um, like I said, I, I, I thought he had been playing well all year, just wasn't getting the touches. And now that they they finally realized that because they had to out of necessity to give him touches that, oh, maybe our offense should be a little more balanced. And that's, you know, also why Carr can't hit a ceiling either. So, I mean, he's interesting. Being on the road and as a dog, though, like he's just not like super exciting to me as like a cash game play or, you know, anything like that. Um, I'm, I am interested in Hill, though, because I think people are going to look at the home road splits and maybe run away from Tyreek a little bit. Just 38 yards per game at home this year. He's been really down. But he's just a mismatch for the secondary. I mean, even at home last year when these two teams played, he got him for a long touchdown. Uh, he's just – I mean, the, the Oakland secondary is just really no answer for him. I mean, obviously there's a low floor – when you have a player like Hill involved, but he's had a safe floor the past month. I mean, he's had 12 or more PPR points now in four straight games. So it's not like you're just getting hung out the dry. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's, he's really given the o- Oakland problem too, especially like the past two games they played 12 catches, 191 yards, two touchdowns, not even counting the special teams juice that he put up in those games. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like him in a game that, you know, probably people will look at those home road splits and maybe not want to play him. I feel like the Raiders are kind of like rope and doping with Lynch. Like they were playing the long game, just like, you know, they didn't want to burn him out early. He's an old man. They, they were thinking like, you know, for the playoffs, they'd have him as fresh as possible, but like they've really needed him of late. So that's why. He's I think they just overrated rush. their offense. I think they thought their offense was a lot better than what it yep. was. Cause the end of last year, they were not as good as what the record indicated. And uh, you know, a lot of people had them pegged for aggression candidate and it's hit, you know, I think that they thought that they were going to be like this air raid team based on the personnel they had, but they have a big offensive line and they, you signed me like Marshall Lynch. You, you, they should have went the, the inverse of what they did really. <laughs> season. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, you're, you're giving this coaching staff way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought the NFL coaches are really sharp. I mean, John yeah, Fox yeah. is the next one to go, right? Well, you're a Chicago guy, so he's got to go, right? Oh man. I mean, he should have been gone a long time ago. What, <laughs> what an atrocity. I mean, I just picking so, field goals at the half at the half yard line. I mean, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> like, yeah. he, oh, oh, oh! His explanation last week for uh, why yes. he didn't let the 49ers score the touchdown, score a touchdown late in the game, um, which they absolutely should have, and they could have. Bears maybe could have, you know, rallied back and tied it. Um, 
if they would have let them score, that let them score. Oh, we we had a lot of faith in our uh, in our, our special teams to block the the field goal. <laughs> Because and, that happens uh, all the time. Right, right. A 0.8% chance to block a field goal over the last, like, 10 years. <laughs> coaches should be forced to play, like, 100 games of Madden first before they become official NFL coaches to understand, like, things like time situations and all that. But, all right, uh, enough of that. Those three <laughs> games are out. Let's talk about our bounce backs, Rich. Who's bouncing back this week? Uh, Evan kind of hit on this a little earlier in the show. I thought he, you know, he might blow the spot up, man. I kind of like Adam Thielen this week. Uh, you know, Adam Thielen has started to lose a little bit of his safety, like valve role though. Uh, his past five games, his usage in the slot has gone down 51% to 48 to 46 to 43 down to 37% as Jarius Wright's taken over as like the the true wide receiver three there, but he kind of hit on it. They started to use James Bradbury in kind of like the shadowing role. And it really hasn't worked out that great. Bradbury's a fine player, but he's been a little bit outclassed, you know, here the past few weeks. Uh, the Jaguars have gotten smashed by lead wide receivers. And, I mean, we can debate whether you think Thielen or Diggs is their lead wide receiver. I'm going to say it's Thielen. Uh, they've lost 17 or more points to the opposing wide receiver one in four straight games. Uh, progressively leaky. You know, Thielen had like a down week last week. Um, in, a, in a game we chased a lot of wide receiver production uh, from, you know, I, I was chasing it from Stephon Diggs a lot. You know, I went, I went like full like Sunday morning and like, I'm, oh, I'm going to get so much digs in. You know, it was so I was told bleeding right Wilson. That's all you need to know. And like, he, so yeah, Diggs caught the first pass of the game. Why well, would Ray? Did he even play? I, <laughs> yeah. He started at left cornerback and he was awesome. Yeah. yeah he played dude, great. Unreal. He played great. So Hey man, you know, his, his entire, his entire career, he's terrible. And all of a sudden he shows up and plays awesome. And they also had DeMonte KZ uh, rookie uh, fifth round pick at slot corner and he played great too. So, I mean, yeah, they got us, man. They, they just plug and played like, and they, they balled. So the, and they've I been mean, a good pass defense all year. Yeah. Like, to, in, yeah, in they, they don't, they, they don't give up big plays at all. Like not, not at all. So yeah, Thielen's my dude. I mean, you got to pay for him, but I don't think any—I don't think he's really gonna be a popular guy this week. Recency bias says he won't be, right? Um, yeah, and again, it was so weird. Like the, 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 that that game, it was Diggs caught the first pass of the half. Uh, Thielen caught caught the last half and the you know, last play of the first half. They caught neither. No, no catches in between that in the first half. That was so weird. But uh, that's just me tilting retroactively. What about you, Evan? Who do you have as far as a bounce back this week? Did we lose Evan? I don't, I don't have any bounce backs. Uh, I just want to talk about Giovanni Bernard. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, so the matchup is not, you know, it's, it's not that great. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not that great. I mean, he is a home favorite. There's really no one else on the roster that we have to worry about. I mean, he's set up for 20 plus touches. He's been, you know, biding his time. I mean, he's got, you know, if you like the fresh legs narrative, he's got fresh legs because they haven't been given the ball at all, not even as a receiver. Um, and I mean, I think he, I think he's good. You, you know, I think he's pretty good. And I think that he is a guy that, you know, could handle 20 plus touches for, you know, three or four games. I don't think he could do it for a career, but I think he could do it very effectively for three or four games. Uh, and we're going to get him in this, in this one game sample. I think I don't expect Joe Mixon to play with a concussion on a short week. Um, and so, uh, I want to talk about like his ownership, you know, how should we treat him? Should we try to go overweight? I feel like Crane would say that he would go overweight on Giovanni Bernard, certainly on DraftKings. It's 3.1 K. It's a minimum, minimum. That's ridiculous. If, if Mixon if is out, Gio will be owned on DraftKings more than Josh Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Like not even, it's not well, even like, like should yeah. Be. Like I, I'm all about that chalk life, and I, I'm most likely you know, again. This well, is my 31 first... at 31. There's like it's no a lock and load. Like it's 20 touches on a guy that catches the ball, uh, and like Evan said, like he's had points of his career where they he's had spurts where he has been the feature guy, and he's been a good fantasy running back in those spurts. So I mean, it, over the course of a full season, like he said, it's it's not achievable, and you know he's not that type of archetype. But in those small samples, he's been fine, and he's been you know an RB one, and he he has a ceiling as well he has ceiling potential um you know he had 50 he had 96 yards on 15 touches last week against a defense that had been you know limiting you know production to running backs so i mean yeah he's going to be like an auto smash if uh you know lock in lock well, in if you know mix give me the out. argument give me 
the worst case scenario. Let's say he stays healthy. Uh, okay, he doesn't score a touchdown. Like, give me like the worst case scenario. Like, w- what game script is he not playing in? Well, well this is this is the oh well. If uh, the the Bears go to the Bengals, who maybe without Vontez perfect and impose their will with the running game and just control the ball. Yeah. But the Bears have been one of the worst ball control teams in many yeah. games this year. Last week they had what thirty seven offensive plays. Dude, uh, they had another game, I think, where they had like under 40 offensive plays. I mean, they They've are been two games. Yeah, they're trying to play like 1930s <laughs> football. I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah, they, it's it's like it's like Jeff Fisher. You know, it, it really is, mm-hmm. man. And, um, you know, they're 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 an embarrassment to, to the NFL. Uh, and uh, Giovanni Bernard, uh, I mean, they, the Bengals, the Bengals haven't been very good at controlling the ball either this year but I think that they should in this game and the Bengals really or the Bears defensively they've been on a steady downward slide they've lost a lot of good players uh Reeves mentioned Pernell McPhee I mean he's been he's always banged up Uh, but they also lost Leonard Floyd you know another one of their best pass rushers he's on injured reserve my guess is that Pernell McPhee does not play this week I mean I think Dalton could have a good game I think AJ Green you look at uh, each of the last five number one receivers to face the oh, Bears yeah. have all done real well, uh, including Marquise Goodwin uh, last week. So it's a great spot for AJ. It's all dudes it's, that aren't as good as AJ. Th- this is an uncommon <laughs> opponent for Andy Dalton. I mean, the Bengals should they should get their offense revved up. And one one thing you definitely noticed, and, and Reeves talked about it last or earlier, was that the Bears could not get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo last week at their house. And now they're on the road. It's a very good spot, man, for for the Bengals' offense. Hey, Rich, uh, the Patriots are projected to score 29 points this week without Gronk. How are they going to get those 29 points? They got the, they got Rex Burkhead, man. Like this. <laughs> That's it. They're going to get there. Hey, yeah. The Brady, the last uh, the last seven times he's thrown no touchdowns in a game, has come back and thrown three the following week, three or more. So, I mean, I, I think he'll find a way to get there. And if Hogan plays, uh, I mean, listen, they're, they're going to find a way to get there. <laughs> you got any takes, uh, Evan, as far as the Patriots this week? Yeah, I mean, the Hogan coming back. So, they're, they're playing on Monday night. So, he practiced mm-hmm. today, Wednesday. That bodes very well for him. Uh, you know, he, he's right back in there. He's, he's ready to go. I, I would be surprised. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play this week, unless he has like a setback in practice. But, I mean, they got him started early, uh, and he's going to get the full practice weekend. He's going to be right back in there. Um, uh, with, so, w- with and without Gronk, uh, Brady has some significant splits. I mean, it's like a 30-yard difference uh, since Gronk entered the league. It's like uh, – Forty-three percent, zero point four three fewer touchdowns per game, or something like that. So it, it is, you know, if you just look at it from that standpoint. But uh, I mean, Cooks can burn those, those Dolphins CBs. I mean, those dudes are slow. Xavier Howard was like a four-six dude coming out of college. Cordrea Tinkersley is like he ran fast at the combine, but he he's actually not a very good athlete. Um, and then. Uh, and then uh, Hogan, I mean, Hogan missed like four or five or five games. He's still tied with uh, Rob Gronkowski for most targets inside the 10 uh, on the Patriots roster. So he can step right into that red zone role. I, you know, in, in Monday through Thursday, I'm going to try to get as much Brady as I can, uh, maybe playing him naked, maybe playing him with some, with some cooks. Uh, but I mean, he's super expensive. I don't think people are going to want to go up to him. Um, especially without Gronk, uh, but I, I think he, I think he can absolutely ha- have a big, the big day. The, I think the, the main concern, really, in addition to losing Gronk, is that uh, that the, the the Patriots might like game plan specifically to try to just pound the Dolphins because when they played a couple of weeks ago, the Dolphins couldn't stop Deion Lewis at all, uh, and I don't think they could stop really, you know, Rex Burkhead. They just lost William Hayes, uh, who had been like maybe their best defensive end, certainly against the run. Uh, he's on, he's on IR now. Um, so I think that they're, you know, they could specifically design a game plan to try to attack the Dolphins with the running game. But, you know, what, what you really just want is red zone opportunities. And, you know, Brady can, even if they have a great rushing day, Brady can still throw like three or four or so. 
Richie, you have any like correlation plays that are kind of jumping out to you? Quarterback, receiver, however you want to do it. Um, no, I mean, the, the, like the, I mean, the the Bengals stack is obviously you can go Bengals onslaught. I think. I mean, because because the GL is dual compartmentalization. I mean, you can play Bengals D, GO, and, and AJ Green. I don't think there's any problem there because it's it's super concentrated their touch distribution. Anyways, it was with Mixon and Green. So I mean, you can play play that. Um, I kind of like the, the the Matt Forte Jets correlation as well. If you want to play Jets D, I mean, the bank, the Broncos have just been giving up so many points to opposing defenses. Uh, you know, I wish the Jets were at home, and I wish the Jets were good on defense as well. But I mean, the, the Dolphins weren't good, and they were a smash defense last week. Uh, the, the, so the Denver is awful. Like they are, they've quit on the season. Like they're not even like trying. Like the, their team's not trying. Uh, they've had, they've had an eight game losing streak. It's their longest as a franchise since 1967. They've been outscored by 133 points over that span, 48 more than the next closest team, the Browns. This is unequivocally the worst team in the NFL right now. Uh, they put Derek Wolf on injured reserve. They can't stop the run. If opposing teams have led for 81% of their snaps since the Broncos bye week, it's the highest rate in the league. So game script's going to be in his favor. If you look at Forte too, he's only, I prefer this, this is a DK play only mostly. He's 4,300 on DK full PPR. He smashed that price, man. He's tripled up that price consistently. I mean, he's been an RB2 or better in six of his past eight games. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, a nice, like, roster-freeing play. You might not have to use him because Geo's on the board. But, I mean, I, I don't think – I think people will just bypass him to get to Geo. I mean, you can play him and Geo together, I think, and be fine with the types of running backs that are off the board on the main slate. I think he's a really good play. Um, like I said, I mean, Denver is just – man, they've quit, man. It's – it's. Vance Joseph might get the Tom Sula treatment, man. I fell for uh, – Tamarius Thomas was like, oh, he's too cheap. Manny Sanders is too cheap. I played both those guys. I think it's not – you know, because they were just too cheap last week. And I know Sanders got hurt for a while too. Are they just not playable anymore? It's just we can't trust that offense to move the ball at all? At this point, what you want, you want uh, Simeon to get benched uh, at halftime for Osweiler <laughs> and Osweiler to come save the guys. I mean, Osweiler <laughs> is, the, is the best option at this point. I mean, it's it, – Simeon was – train wreck wow. last week I mean <laughs> that was I think it was the worst quarterback performance all year I mean I, I really I really think it was it was it was it was well, so Peterman. freaking bad yeah I mean it, it was right there it, it was right there <laughs> certainly it, on the family right feud board does anybody have a Eli Manning for a redemption game is that not happening no redemption <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's, his, it's, his passing yards post Odell, man, has just been so yeah. in the tanks. Like, I just don't see any way. And especially because they're, the game script here is going to set up for the Cowboys to run it probably 35 times. Um, it's it's really hard to say, man. Like, I, I it's just hard to get invested in uh, on the Eli train. Yeah, but do you have like, a favorite? Oh, good. Yeah. I kind of like Gabbert to Larry Fitz this week. Ooh, yeah. Titans have just been getting shelled by slot receivers. Um, You're losing more look, followers there, Evan. Look, look them all. Uh, Doug Baldwin had Doug Baldwin had ten for 105 and one against him. Jeremy Macklin had eight for 98 against him. Brandon LaFell in a game where he played 75 percent of his snaps in the slot against the Titans had six for 95 and one against him. Alan Hearns had six for 82 and a touchdown against him. Braxton Miller last week had 71 yards against him. Jarvis Landry five for 44 and a touchdown against them and they may be without Logan Ryan who's primarily played slot corner for them due to a concussion this week uh, Larry Fitzgerald of course runs 65 percent of his routes in, in the slot Titans have given up third most uh, touchdowns in the league to wide receivers uh, Gabbert is cheap he has been a top 14 fantasy quarterback in two of his three starts he was not against the Rams last week I think that was fairly predictable uh, the Titans are 25th in pass defense DVOA. Uh, two of their last three quarterbacks they've gone up, up against have been top 10 fantasy quarterbacks, including Tom Savage uh, last week. The Titans have given up the seventh most touchdown passes overall in the league. And, I mean, I, I like Blaine Gabbert against uh, defenses that can't rush the passer because he's an overreactive guy mm -hmm. to, to pressure. And the Titans have given – they're just very middling in terms of their, their pass rush uh, – metrics so um I, I think that Gabbard you know as a relatively cheap stack to Larry Fitzgerald and I mean I like Larry Fitzgerald just on his own but you know as a low owned cheap quarterback I mean you probably need him to run for one because he's not going to throw touchdown passes to those outside receivers in all likelihood uh, the Titans have been very good actually at limiting big plays 
uh, mm-hmm. this year. And I don't think that, uh, you know, he just doesn't really have a connection with the, with the little, the little dudes that run around on the outside for the Cardinals. It's, it's a Larry Fitzgerald thing. It's a, it's a Seals Jones thing too, by the way. I mean, is hey, he a thing, point, RSJ? He's a th- He's got five plus targets in, in three straight games. I mean, we can look at his snap count and we can look at his route runs and his routes run and be like, he's a donkey play, but he's getting targets. And if he plays 40% of the snaps and runs 18 routes this week, he could get nine targets. And, you know, the Titans have been terrible against tight ends for like the last month and a half. So yeah, I, I mean, think when you look at the, yeah, yeah when you talk about the snaps, I mean, one thing we always have to remember when you come, we have these guys that, you know, compartmentalize and, and like early down runners are the same way. If you look at like early down runners and you say like, you know, site snap counts, like Alex Towns or something. But when these guys are coming in the games, they're having specific plays called for them. And that's what Ricky Seal Jones has been. They've got this package of plays that they have for him. And he's come in, he's only running, you know, a dozen routes a game, but he, like Evan said, he's getting targeted on 55% of his routes. Like that next time, like the, for the full season, like high tight end is like high 28%. Like that's, that's double. So they have a specific package every week. They come in with Ricky Seal Jones and when he comes in, like he's one of the primary reads on the play. Evan, I was told we can't play uh, old Ben this week and uh, this, this late into the season. Is it, we could still play Fitzgerald. Oh Yeah. Oh, he's been <laughs> he's Yo, keeps, he keeps chugging along, man. He's awesome. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I mean, I thought the dream might have been dead when when they when uh, when Palmer got hurt, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, please bring in Gabbert, you know. But he was he was good in the one start with Stanton, uh, and he's been great with Gabbert, you know, with the exception of the game against like the the Jaguars thought enough of him to shadow him with Jalen yep. Ramsey. I mean, he's he's balling, dude. I think he's like a top five fantasy receiver on the season. Um, he might be even like top three. three. Past four. Yeah, right. so he's he's awesome. He's a he's great. And We're the other thing is Gabbert, okay. Gabbert can only throw to him. Uh, Gabbert, yeah. So Gabbert is a 79% completion percentage targeting Larry Fitzgerald and 53% everywhere else. That's perfect because that's the exact <laughs> kind of player that Blaine Gabbert is. You know? <laughs> I like so, Gabbert more than Garoppolo, the dude we talked about earlier. Ooh, I like that. You've been sold. Look at that. Uh, yeah, they're both. I mean, it seems like it's always fun to punt, uh, punt the quarterback on DK and have some bumps, some stacking and loading up some studs. Uh, two things before we step aside and get out of here. We're up against the clock. Uh, we haven't given like one take from the Philadelphia Rams game. Any takes, Evan? Um, Trey Burton is the guy to talk about, I think. Now, the Rams have been very good against tight ends. Uh, but if, if Ertz doesn't play and he's – you know, technically on a short week because they played Sunday night. But if Ertz does not play, then Trey Burton comes in squarely into play. I mean, when he w- when Ertz was out with a hamstring against Denver, Trey Burton delivered. Uh, and then last week, Trey Burton saw seven targets. Um, so the matchup is not good. Again, the Rams have been – they're built to play well against tight ends because they're very athletic at inside linebacker, solid at safety, um, you know, but – uh, Trey Burton, just as an opportunity-based guy, you know, in a, a, in a passing offense that's humming, uh, I think that he, he comes uh, squarely into play. And the same with Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar played season high in 88% of the snaps last week, ran like almost 50 routes, um, 12 targets. I mean, he had season highs across the board, and he becomes the primary uh, middle-of-the-field receiver, I think, for Carson Wentz against the Rams – who, I mean, we've seen them give up uh, big games to, to slot receivers as well, Thielen, uh, and then, of course, Larry Fitz uh, last week. So um, that those would be my two takes, I think, from that game. It's going to be a certain week part due, potentially. The sequel was rarely as good as the original. Remember the first time it happened, uh, it was a scramble that Sunday morning when yes, Ertz it was, was late scratch. <laughs> uh, you got anybody else for the row before? I, I, I have a dilemma. Uh, so you go ahead and tell me, Rich, how is this handled? I'm going to the Jacksonville game this weekend, Seattle at Jacksonville. The the rules of DFS, they clearly say, if you're going to the game, you have to stack it, you have to play it, you got to play it this way and that way, play one side. But I I don't want to play anybody in this game. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting game. I don't think on paper there's a lot of, like, great, great individual plays. And like Evan brought up, I mean, they thought – the Jaguars saw highly enough of Larry Fitzgerald, you know, to put Jalen Ramsey in the slot. That could be something we see again, you know, with Doug Baldwin. I mean, 
Tyler Lockett and Paul Richardson are guys that they can they can play one on one with. I think that they'll feel comfortable with it. Um, you know, obviously the hot topic is you know Russell Wilson and the Jags defense. You know, uh, we we can make like strength of schedule arguments for both of these teams. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson, his opponents have been bad. Uh, the Jaguars defense have faced a lot of you know really bad quarterbacks. But inherently, we know both these guys. Both Russell Wilson is good at football, and the Jags defense is very good at football. Uh, so it's you know very intriguing. I do say I'm a little concerned because the way Russell Wilson has scored his fantasy points is he has had a lot of like short passing touchdowns that have really played his totals because the, the Seattle can't run. I mean, Russell Wilson leads the league in fantasy points scored inside the 10-yard line and the five-yard line. Uh, the, the opponents against the Jaguars have run the fewest plays inside the 10 and five-yard line in the NFL. They Only 18 plays total have come from come against the Jaguars inside the 10-yard line, and only five, five all wow. season. Out of, thir- out of 12 games so far, and NFL teams have run five plays inside the five-yard line against the Jaguars. Like, that's pretty silly, you know, to think about. Maybe there's some regression and, you know, the Wilson you know, hits him up there but uh you know it's gonna be one of these games where I think it's gonna be fairly low scoring I mean I saw Vegas came in with like an 18 point total for Seattle uh it's it's a game where I don't think there's a lot of like trustworthy plays but like some ancillary guys I think I'd be okay still using like a seasonal league but as far as DFS man it's almost full contrarian unless you're like trying to punt with Mike Davis this is what you do Dean this okay do. fire away tell me what to do okay you use Russell Wilson and the Jaguars defense. Oh, wow. So, so let's – all right, so what you're hoping for – all right, you, you start the game off with Jaguars get a pick six. Okay? Sure. Put the Seahawks in a hole. You're, you're, you're already celebrating. Over the course <laughs> of the game, Jaguars get seven sacks, okay? However, Russell Wilson ends up running for two and throwing <laughs> for two. The touchdowns go to Luke Wilson and Tanner oh, no. McAvoy. And <laughs> – and you get like, you know, 19 points out of your defense and like, you know, 34 out of Russell Wilson. And you just put, you know, all the best plays like you could just use chalk in, in every single other spot in your lineup. But you know that you're in- incredibly uh, differentiated from the crowd with just those two plays. No one will have that. I mean, I- I'm doing th- I'm not going to play Tanner McAvoy, but <laughs> I'm gonna, no, don't know. Yeah. play Russell Wilson play and some Jaguars Russ, and I'll play, Yeah, I'll do that. that. That's definitely going to happen. I'll make it happen. We'll see how it works out this week. All right, we are up against the clock. We definitely have to get out of here and step aside. Uh, thank you guys so much for allowing me to enter into your show. Hopefully things are going to uh, – Crane will be back next week. There's no issues. For Rich Rebar, for Evan Silva, both of Warner World, I'm Dean. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your football. Good luck this week. We're out of here. Holler.